Welcome to Not Your Ordinary Parts Podcast, a podcast where we talk about hard things associated with the human experience with the goal of increasing awareness, growth, and healing. Uh, you may hear information from professionally licensed therapists, life coaches, doctors, healers, etc. This information is not medical advice or therapy and is not meant to replace actual therapy or instructions given by a medical professional. I'm your host, Jalon Johnson. My guest today is Kitty Martone. Kitty is a gut-centric author, a functional health educator, and host of the podcast, Stuff Your Doctor Should Know. Uh, this is a special episode for me because Kitty was instrumental in my healing journey with my uh, gut issues and all of my gut dysbiosis and so on and so forth. And she was uh, one of the first person that actually gave me answers. So I'm, I'm very grateful to her. And um, we have a, a special relationship. I call her my sister. And the love and concern that she showed for me as just a stranger was enough to make me really believe that she was someone special and that there was hope for me to heal. So, Kitty, you're welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you for having me. This is extra special to me as well. So I'm happy to be here. Good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so on your website, you tell your story about how you got to where you are today. Would you mind sharing so that everyone else can have a window into your world? Yeah. So um, let's see. I What I think is cool about podcasts and about a lot of guests that are on my show and a lot of people that I, I speak with and work with is that so many of us have come from where you are and where you've been. Um, with our health and that, and that some people that go through these challenges end up um, coming out with all this knowledge and information that helps them to go through their journey and help them to heal. But then they feel almost obligated and, and feel like they need to share that information. So that is my story completely. I was, you know, basically born really, really sick too early. Um, and sometimes preemies, you know, they end up uh, having a lot of um, ear, nose and throat stuff and a lot of gut stuff early on. And I was just in and out of the hospital my whole young life. And then when it got, I got to puberty, it just sort of compounded exponentially and got much worse once hormones really got involved there. And um, I just was getting these random autoimmune type things and no one even talked about autoimmune back then. And so we didn't know what was going on with me. So the conventional doctors were just putting labels on me like migraine, you know, uh, that was the big one, migraine sufferer. And, um, and just giving me medication, medication to the point where my side effects from the meds, I needed more meds to offset the side effects from the meds. And so that uh, just was my life. And I just, you know, it affected my work. It affected my relationships, my day-to-day -day life. And then um, I ended up moving from New Mexico. I'm here now in New Mexico with my, with my mom. And, uh, but I moved to Los Angeles for many reasons. But one of them was I just need to go to a place where I can see, view life in a different way because I need to get healthy somehow, you know. And then when I got to Los Angeles, you know, there's like a Reiki master on every corner, like Starbucks. There's just like, there's so many alternative practitioners 
And then that's when I discovered all of that and uh, everything from Reiki to acupuncture to, you know, cleanses and um, the Gerson therapy and you name it. I was exposed to it. And a lot of that had to do with meeting my husband, who was a chiropractor, but he did a lot of alternative stuff. He just didn't crack backs, right? He did all of this other stuff that opened my world to um, amazing things that were helping me and some were making me worse. But the cool thing was I had control over my own health all of a sudden. It was like I was responsible. I wasn't waiting for my next appointment and hoping that my insurance would cover this particular thing that they offered me. And um, so when I met my husband, I was like, wow, this is my new life. And I, I was acting at the time, of course, who isn't in LA. And I just started to uh, pursue that world. I went to school for nutrition and met my mentors who just changed my life. And then once I started to heal, I was like, I got to share this information, you know? And, uh, and yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Thanks. So that explains how you became a healthy gut girl, which is, which is your name now. Um, mm -hmm. what I want to do is yeah. kind of dive into what, what it means to, to have a healthy gut and how you became healthy gut girl and, and all of your knowledge and expertise by asking some questions, if you don't mind. Of course not. Shoot. <laughs> Fire away. <laughs> um, okay. So I'll start with how can an unhealthy gut affect your health? Okay. So let me add on to the, the, how I started stuff. Cause this is crazy. So when I, one of the, the populations of people that my husband was working with were children who had autism, who were in the spectrum, who had cerebral palsy and different types of brain damage and stuff. And there I was, brand new nutritionist, jumping in, trying to help these children. And I couldn't because my conventional knowledge was not going to help them. I couldn't do a cleanse with a three-year-old with cerebral palsy. I couldn't, you know... Um, I couldn't even do a diet elimination when they only ate three things already. You know, they're like juice boxes, uh, chicken nuggets and goldfish. Right. And that's, that wasn't the fault of the parent. Right. It's just like the child would not eat anything else. So I was like, I need to start digging and finding other ways. And that's when I met Donna Gates and I, uh, of the body ecology diet. And I, I found the gut and psychology syndrome, which is the gaps diet and that doctor who wrote that book, um, Natasha McBride, and I started to go, oh my goodness, there is like a root cause of all of this stuff. Even, even the issues that a child with cerebral palsy has that come from like a birth trauma, say, um, even the issues they're having with their physical body came down to their gut. And so I, that's when I was, became, I mean, I didn't become healthy gut girl then, but I slowly became, because I was like, wow, this is so monumentally profound. How much consuming your food, like chewing, literally chewing, acquiring the food, chewing the food, you know, masticating it, pushing it into the stomach, that motility that happens, how fast or slow that happens, swallowing it, um, the, the digestion of it in the stomach acids and the digestive enzymes 
and then going into the small intestine and all those all those nutrients getting absorbed um, and, and the microbes taking them to different places that are needed in the body. And then the waste matter from that food going into the large intestine where the fluid gets absorbed, the water gets absorbed, and then the, the, the process of detoxifying it, like there's microbes in there that do all kinds of stuff, and then eliminating that food. That process has to be a well-oiled machine. If any part of that gets sluggish, your motility slows down, you know, your bowel movements slow down, you're not chewing correctly, the food you're acquiring is not the greatest, you know, your small intestine has, it has issues because your food's not chewed. So it's like, how am I supposed to take this beautiful piece of organic broccoli and get all the vitamins from it when it's half chewed? So it sits there, it starts to putrefy and rot. Uh, it gets hot in there. It, the pH changes, the acidity changes in there. Other microbes that thrive in that environment come in there. That broccoli all of a sudden becomes a problem. You're bloating. And this can happen over time from a child, as a child, all the way up into adulthood where all of a sudden we have SIBO and we have all these different types of digestive issues. So that process has to be really just digestion is what it's called, right? It just seems so simple. And so I always say, are you digesting your food? You know, are you passing the waste matter from that food effectively and quickly as you should be? So, and once that happens, I always say it's the first domino to fall if it's not happening right, if it's not ha happening effectively. That domino falls and now it's anybody's guess what goes wrong next, right? For you, it could be a bunch of digestive issues that turn into food sensitivities. For me, it turns into respiratory conditions and sinus issues and food allergies and skin issues. For the next person, it turns into autoimmune conditions. And so it's like our little rat's nest, you know, all of a sudden these dominoes fall and you've got Lord knows what that you've got to clean up after that. So it starts with digestion. It starts with what are you eating? How are you digesting it? And how are you eliminating the waste from that? Basically. So if you remember when I first contacted you, I told you I have been seeing doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor, and that I was even now currently with a specialist who, after hearing all of my symptoms, gave me a stool softener, <laughs> which was so frustrating. Mm. Um, but... I, I remember saying to you, like, why don't these people know the stuff that you know? And then, so that's my next question. Why is it doctors don't know this stuff? Oh, this is such a perfect question for what I'm dealing with here in New Mexico with my mom. I came here because she had, I mentioned a heart scare. We thought she was having a heart attack and I got on a plane right away. And, you know, the doctors were just like, I had questions about it because they discovered she didn't have, you know, clots and she didn't have any heart. Her heart looked fine. And I said, could this be a hiatal hernia? Because that can present as, as heart attack with the same types of symptoms. And they're like, um, you can make an appointment with a gastroenterologist for that. And I'm like, well, can you comment on that? Is that something we should do? Because we don't want to spin our wheels and go to a gastroenterologist if you're like, no, this does not look like that. And I don't think it's their fault necessarily. I think that when they go, that the medical system and the universities, the, the schooling is set up in a very compartmentalized way. 
You know, if you're a mechanic and you learn, all you learn about a car is how to change brakes, then that's all you know. So if I go get my brakes changed and I say, hey, why is this engine light going on? And he's like, I only do brakes. You know, that's the, it, they don't put the whole car together and say, oh, well, it could be this and could be that. Let me send you here. I know about that. It could be this, right? They don't do that. And I think partially it's a liability issue. You know, they can't comment on something that they're not, their area of expertise is not in that area. So now they're putting themselves in a position of being liable for saying, yeah, it could be a hiatal hernia. And then she goes and ends up with some kind of pulmonary problem. And they're like, well, he told me to go to the gastroenterologist. And in this litigious world that we live in, I think it's, I think it's just a, a function of what happened. It's, it started off in a compartmentalized way and then it worsened because of people suing for everything and anything, you know, I think that's the short of it. Um, but it's so sad because our heart doesn't work independently of our stomach. It doesn't like nothing in our body works independently of, of, of anything else. It's, it's all working together. And that's why these functional doctors and holistic doctors and naturopaths are so much more effective on many levels. Now, if I'm having a heart attack, yeah, I want to be in that hospital. You know, if I get in a car accident, I want to be in a crisis and trauma location. I don't want to be with someone who's like, well, maybe we should give you a green smoothie, right? <laughs> we, we, we want, I'm like, my arm is cut off. I'm dying. Like I want crisis and trauma. So that's the difference. It's like my husband always says, if you go, if you go to a barber, you're going to get a haircut. You know, if you go to a doctor, you're either going to get drugs or you're going to get surgery. That's pretty much what you're going to get. So that's why I think. Gotcha. That was some good analogies. Um, you touched on this a little bit with, with the kids, but I think overall, um, why would you say in your opinion today, so many people have unhealthy guts? Hmm. Well, oh, you know, I had another thought, <laughs> which was like, uh, with the whole, uh, you know, so we were in the hospital with my mom and, um, this nurse comes in and she starts talking to my mom about probiotics. Right. And I'm sitting there and I was like, oh, okay. She's going to talk about probiotics. But the whole time, and she's like, you know, really is a good idea to do this, to start taking probiotics. And the whole time you can imagine me sitting there going, is she telling everybody this? Because, <laughs> you know, the current research is showing that SIBO could be largely caused by the uh, holistic fashion, the health fashion, the nutrition fashion of today, which is what like probably started five, seven years ago take your probiotics, you know, they're selling, you know, yogurt with extra probiotics. They're selling gummies with probiotics and people are like, I better get my probiotics. And now we have this rash of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And some experts are saying it could be because of that, because these probiotics aren't getting past the gut. They're they're or they are, but they're not getting, they're getting into the small intestine and they're not getting into the bowel where you want them to be. And so, um, you know, this is, and I, I've, I've always suspected that a little bit. Like I've always mostly cause my mentors were like, don't do it with food, get the microbes from your food. Don't take probiotics. But, um, 
So there's this thing that that's uh, they say that's like 17 years from clinical studies, from from studies, from science, for science to discover something like say the SIBO concept and probiotics, right? They discover it. It doesn't get into clinical practice until like 17 years. So <laughs> that's nuts, right? So I'm sitting there and I know this, but this nurse is on this train of the probiotics. Meanwhile, if you gave my mom probiotics right now with a hiatal hernia, bad idea, really bad idea. So that's also probably contributing to a lot of confusion is the doctors are like, yes, do this. And then you get online to this random guru, Kitty Martone, and you're like, but she says, don't do it. I'm going to listen to my doctor. So that makes things really hard as well. Um, and so, sorry, the, the question was, oh, why do so many people have um, uh, gut dysbiosis? So I, I think, yeah, so this day, these days, uh, I think it's just a, 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 a layered cake. I think it's a perfect storm, right? I think that um, a lot of us, like myself, as a very young kid, I was, I was like what a lot of children were. I was unusual at the time, but now it's more common to have what I was going through as a baby and as a young, a young kid. It's more common, right? The allergies and the food sensitivities and stuff like that. And I think it has a lot to do with your toxic burden, right? Like our toxic burden today is so much more, you know, voluminous than it was when my mom was a kid, you know, we're exposed to so many toxins. So I don't want to blame it on vaccines or GMOs or, you know, uh, the, the hybridized wheat that we've been eating. I don't want to blame it on one thing because I just don't think it is one thing. I think it's um, a lot of things. I think it's uh, the quality of our food, you know, uh, the xenoestrogen chemicals that are in everything now from cleaning products to beauty products, to sun, sunscreen to deodorant. And I think it's also even 5G you can throw in there, you know, sensitivity to electromagnetic frequency because when we were kids, what, you had your Atari and you had your, uh, you know, your, your, your Seiko watch. That was the most EMF you're exposed to. Now we've even our, our, our ear pods have EMFs. Everything has an EMF, you know, uh, vibration and we're exposed to that. And so the thing is that some people's toxic buckets and toxic bucket is really your, your detox organs right? What your, your detox organs are holding, your skin, <clears throat> your kidneys, your lungs, your liver, and you're holding all this toxicity. And some people can hold it better than others. And some people can be exposed to all this stuff and not really have, you know, reactions. And then all of a sudden they get a vaccine, which might, might be beneficial. That's not the discussion here, but it might be beneficial but that is still a burden. It's still toxicity that you, um, my, it might tip you over the edge. It might fill your top, your toxic bucket up to the point that now it's overflowing. And so I think, and, and what's that going to affect first? It's going to affect how you digest your food, right? That process we talked about, the basics. It's going to digest how you digest your food and how you make energy. And, and that's it. There goes that domino, right? So it's just, I think that's it. It's just this, we're exposed to so much more toxicity than we ever have been. 
I agree. And I, I like the analogy of the, the toxic bucket because <clears throat> if you're at your threshold, one thing can push you over. So, you know, yeah. I like that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say someone doesn't have digestive issues. Does that mean that they have a healthy gut? If someone doesn't have digestive issues, that's a great question. Um, no, it doesn't mean you have an, a healthy gut because remember I said how I said, you know, your, your motility slows down and then it affects you one way and me the other way. Right. So I know people like that. A lot of people like that who, who don't have, who, who have seemingly great digestion, but they've got eczema or they have seemingly great digestion, but they get, you know, cyclical headaches or they have hormone issues. And so, no, you can totally be like, I go, I have two poos a day. They're perfectly formed. I can eat anything. My stomach is like steel, but I sleep three hours a night. Right. And then it's like, okay, you're going to have to eventually bring it back down to the root. And that root's going to be something's not happening correctly, you know, with your digestion. Um, and what, you know, will, if you, if you fix that, will it then fix the insomnia or whatever it is you're dealing with? It's the first step for sure. And, and the thing is things can go underlying for so long. Right. And then, like you said, your, your toxic bucket fills up and then what seemingly was a healthy digestive system or just a healthy person now you have, you know, three or four different things and you're wondering, well, how'd that happen when I was just so healthy a week ago? And it, it may be that mm-hmm. you you were healthy-ish, but you were right on the threshold of something going wrong. So, you know, and the gut is, yeah. is it seems like it's always the, the root. So, Yeah, you know, and some body types are, I, I really like the um, East Indian uh, uh, form of medicine, Ayurveda right? Because what they do is they, um, they categorize people into, uh, uh, three doshas, right? Vata, Pitta, Kapha, Vata, Pitta, and Kapha. And everybody can be a mixture of those, but we all favor, uh, one of them. And it's really interesting to, to look up because it's, you know, you try to, it's like your horoscope. You try to figure out like, okay, is that me? And so, um, I think it's a Kapha that is like, a bull right there. It's like my husband, he's just like, you know, and my, my stepdad here, he's amazing. Like the guy just love, he just eats pastries. Like that's all that's, he like lives on sweets. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch. And he's a bull, you know, he's 82 years old and the guy is still climbing on the roof and he's just his body type. His hands are massive. I mean, he's just a bull and his body is just built that way. The vata, which is me, I mean, I have tiny little bones. I like, I'm like a bird, you know, I'm the canary in the coal mine, right? I eat something that that's not good for me and I have some kind of reaction to it. And that can be a function, a nature nurture thing. It can be just my body type, the way I was born. And it can also be, you know, the fact that I was like so sick my whole life there's all these things that go into making up who you are and how resilient you are and how, um, you know, how, how not resilient you are, how weak you are. But I think even the canary in the coal mine as the, 
as as the uh, the phrase states, it's like super valuable to be a canary, and we use the canary to see, you know, what, you know, to gauge how toxic something is. You know what I'm saying? So even though being a vata has been difficult, it's also I'm super I'm full of information for people. So listen, if I eat gluten and have a flare up, you can guarantee that gluten is probably difficult for almost everybody to digest, even my stepfather. Like it's they did a study on gluten where they tested, I don't know, like hundreds of 19 year old, you know, young men. And they gave them all gluten and none of them had sensitivities. None of them had, they were very, very healthy young boys and they gave them gluten. And then they tested their blood and ran all these tests. All of them had an autoimmune reaction. They all had a reaction in their blood to the gluten, a negative reaction. The body struggled to identify the food and then to digest it and then to get rid of it. And so that showed up in their blood. So these boys are super healthy, right? So same thing with my stepdad. It's like, he's a bull, but the things he's eating is affecting him. Will it kill him as fast as it'll kill me? Probably not, but it's, it's useful information to know. And we're all, we all, um, have these reactions, you know? So it's, yeah, I went off the rails there. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're allowed to, no worries. So I want to talk about um, gluten, because you mentioned that. And today, you know, gluten-free this, gluten-free that. Everybody has a gluten allergy or gluten sensitivity. What is gluten and is it really a big deal? Um, it's a protein that's in wheat and we never seem to have issues, but nobody was really testing it before um, all this stuff started happening. But American wheat is not genetically modified, but it is hybridized, right? Which means that they have made a hybrid of it for a couple of reasons. One is so that the wheat berry would yield more protein, right? It would yield more gluten. It would yield more from the wheat berry. The other reason was so that the stalks didn't grow so high. They grew not so high so that wind wouldn't destroy crops. I guess wind is a big issue and can destroy entire crops of wheat. This was, I was told by a farmer. So, um, so they hybridized the wheat for those reasons. And in hybridizing the wheat berry to yield more, it became harder to digest the, the protein. The body's like, that looks like a gluten protein, but it's so much bigger. And so the body struggles to break it down. Because if you notice, people like talk about going, I mean, I, I can attest to this as well, going to Europe or, you know, out of the country and having gluten and eat, like I went to Italy, I just eat pasta all day and pastries in the morning and, and you feel great. You know, you, I never <laughs> had any issues. So, you know, there's that concept that, that, that could be the issue with our American wheat, which I'm sure we're exporting now, and I'm sure it's getting all around the world, you know. Um, And so that becomes, you know, once again, once you can't digest something, now what, right? Um, They say that the protein also, if it can't be broken down, it can also permeate the gut lining. So it can actually make tiny little fissures or little tiny holes, you know, microscopic holes in the gut. Um, And so when you have these 
these little microscopic holes in the lining of the intestinal wall isn't, there's like an electrical field in the intestines as well, held together by microbes and minerals and things like bioavailable copper and magnesium and stuff. And when that starts to like uh, become permeable, you know, this is the whole leaky gut concept where uh, toxic particles, including endotoxin, which is poison, right? Get leaks into the bloodstream and that gluten protein maybe leaks into the, into the bloodstream. And then your body has this response. It's has this like 911 response where it, it's like, okay, all hands on deck. And then you have histamine response. So you get a rash and your nose starts dripping or your eyes swell or your joints start hurting things and inflammation takes over cortisol rises to try to help bring down that inflammation. Adrenaline rises. Now you're in this fight or flight, right? And just from gluten. Now add gluten. So you had a burger and then you had some poor quality meat and cheese with the burger. So now you've got those things that your body's dealing with, trying to digest that meat. Then you had French fries that were fried in polyunsaturated fats, you know, peanut oil, canola oil, and now the body's responding to that. There's so many things. And, and it's not just junk food, right? You could be eating something, some sourdough bread with, you know, some, I don't know, sardines or something. It doesn't have to always be because a lot of people are like, they think that there's either junk food or you're a vegan. Those are the only two places to be, you know, and there's all these places in between, like for me. I, like I said, I could eat a perfectly beautiful piece of organic broccoli. And if it's not cooked right, I'm going to have bloating. I'm not going to digest that broccoli, you know? So it's just all about digestion with gluten. That's my personal and professional opinion. And it is highly respected and valued. So thank you. Um, you talked about inflammation with um, certain foods as a result of intestinal permeability or leaky gut, like you spoke about. So what are inflammatory foods and, and how do they affect the gut? Mm, that is a mixed bag of tricks, that question, because again, <clears throat> you know, it depends on, on who, who the individual is and what they've got going on. Um, food allergies are not really that common. Food sensitivities are very common. I think the celiac, um, which is a genuine allergy to gluten, right? And you know about this. I think it's less than 1% of the population, if I'm not mistaken. It's like a very small percentage of, of humans have an actual allergy to gluten. And same thing with... Um, I mean, I think the most common aller allergic foods that are proper allergies are like eggs. I think strawberries are up there. Um, but most, when you have a reaction, like people say, oh, I'm allergic to carrots or I'm allergic to, oh, peanuts are up at the top as well. Or I'm allergic to, um, uh, and name it, you know, whatever it is. I think most people are actually having a food sensitivity. Dairy is a good one. Uh, lactose intolerant, right? Where it's like, are you having an allergy or are you in, are you, are you unable to digest that food? And so you're sensitive to it, right? So it's a, 
a fine line, but I think the healthier someone is, the more likely they can be an omnivore and not have an allergy to anything, even shellfish, anything. I think that um, I've seen it myself. I've seen people who are like, I'm deathly allergic to peanuts. I mean, I, I can die. And then they work on their digestion. They work on their guts. They um, are all of a sudden able to handle that aflatoxin, which is usually the mold in peanuts that is so deadly for some people. And I've seen people totally heal from that, totally balance their bodies from that. And from so many allergies, like um, strawberries is a big one too, where I've seen young kids have really severe allergic reaction to strawberries. And then they, we work on their guts and then we give it a try and that they're not allergic anymore. So yeah, I think that um, most are food sensitivities and most of the time, and even, you know, even the allergies, I've been talking with a friend of mine about this who was brought up relatively healthy and uh, compared to most young people. And he's got a lot of food allergies. And I think that he thinks as well that, you know, he was vaccinated as a kid to the hilt, like all the vaccines. And then his allergies didn't start showing up until later. And so this could also be, you know, it's triggering that toxic burden all of a sudden. And now you can't eat this and that. So, yeah, that's my take on it. I also, depending on how healthy I am and how much I'm working on my own gut, well, I won't have you know, I can eat something and not have a, a response to it. And then um, other times just super sensitive to things. So I think, yeah, most things are food sensitivities due to poor digestion. Um, now, it's, it's crazy to think that an allergy can go away because that's not something we were ever taught as kids. If you're allergic to something, you're just allergic to it. So to hear that someone can mm -hmm. have a an allergy that, you know, they eat it and they have a, maybe an anaphylactic response or, you know, they're deathly allergic mm -hmm. to it Then they work on their gut and now they can have it without a, re a response that shows that there was maybe an underlying issue with the gut and not necessarily an allergy per se. You were allergic because of the underlying issue. Mm -hmm. Because that can give hope to yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, this one person I'm talking about, this young, <laughs> this young guy, He's not, he's very committed to his health and he's not able to remedy that. So perhaps at some, with some people, the damage is just too complex to fix. I mean, not to take away the, the hope, but, um, you know, there's probably some, sometimes that it's just not possible to fix that, but, uh, doesn't mean we shouldn't try, you know? I gotcha. Another question. Can, can, our gut affect our hormones and how, how closely are our hormones and our gut related? Oh yeah, this was this, I think this was probably my big aha moment that I had in the last 10 years because my big thing was uh, suffering from hormonal issues. And no matter how much I worked on my gut, I still was not able to get pregnant or I would get pregnant, but I couldn't, I wouldn't carry. And that was like, I was so frustrated because I'm like, how is this happening to me when I'm like the healthy gut girl? I've done everything. I have fixed all these problems, you know, uh, in my body and I'm still having these issues. What is going on? And it wasn't just infertility. It was, you know, really heavy periods and, you know, mood swings and, you know, just 
all of it. And, um, finally, you know, that's when I started to kind of veer away from the people I was working with at the time and go down the rabbit hole of, uh, of hormones. And that was, um, because the people I was working with at the time were like, fix your gut and everything will fall into place. And that is true. You need your gut. You need digestion to be upregulated for things to work properly. But that doesn't mean you're fixing, like you, you still need to make sure. And in my case, it was a nutrition thing. It was the, 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 um, I was deficient in certain minerals and okay, this might get slightly complex, but the thyroid, it, 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 you know, almost everyone has some level of sluggish thyroid, right. Of, of hypothyroid and hypothyroid. So when you, when you do that digestion process, right, when we eat and we break it down and we absorb the nutrition that those nutrients, you know, the proteins, the carbs, the minerals, everything goes to help to make energy. And that process starts at the gut, but then the, the thyroid has to make a hormone that then gets converted at the liver and turned into energy. So it's like putting gas in your car to make the car run. And if you are not doing that properly, well, then now you've got a hormone dysfunction. You've got, again, with the dominoes, right? Though that first domino falls with digestion and along those dominoes is hormone um, dysfunction. And so this, this was just an eye opener for me where I was like, okay, I'm doing something wrong. And it turns out for me that I, like I mentioned, I wasn't eating properly. Um, and I wasn't getting enough of the nutrients I needed to make the energy I needed to make hormones. So my hormone levels were so incredibly low. And this happens with so many of us, right? Where you have depression and you have no energy and you can't recover from workouts and you have mu muscle wasting and low libido and all of these things that happen when you have very, very low or out of balance hormones, right? And the big problem with hormones is one of the most potent and important hormones is estrogen. And we all have it. Um, men, women, children, infants, we all have to have a balance of all of our hormones. But estrogen is like, it seems to be, you know, it's the one that helps us to, it, it causes cells to divide and grow. So it's the one that helps to grow a fetus, but it also helps to grow masses like tumors and polyps and cysts and things like this. And so it needs to be in control in the body. It needs to be regulated by progesterone. And everyone has progesterone. Everybody thinks of progesterone. They think women, they think pregnancy, but all of us have it, even babies. And so it needs to be regulated by, estrogen needs to be regulated by progesterone. And that's a progesterone is in high demand in the body. It's this incredible, we, it's, it's an incredible uh, hormone but it's in high demand. And that leaves estrogen to run wild. I always say estrogen is the lion, progesterone is the lion tamer. And if you don't have that lion tamer, estrogen runs amok and it can do, it really creates, wreaks havoc with our, um, our hormones and our digestion. It's all part of that same, that same, you know, thing. And so when, um, one of the big things that we talk about, and I mentioned this to you before is that carrot salad in the bowel of our bodies, 
we have a whole colony of microbes called the astrobolome. And that colony of microbes, it's all its job is, is to help metabolize and detoxify toxic estrogen and poop it out. And if you don't have, if you have gut dysbiosis, gut, gut issues, you have uh, that, that colony is struggling, right? And it doesn't have what it needs to thrive. You're going to not detoxify that estrogen and you're going to recycle it back into the system. And it's going to be way more potent and possibly dangerous. And that's where hormone-related cancers come from. That's where um, hormone imbalance com comes from, prostate issues usually. Anything having to do with hormones, it's always, almost always because of estrogen run amok. And where does that tell us? I know I've gone into a big old another story here, but it comes back down to what? The bowel not being able to detoxify those toxic estrogens. And so it goes back to acquiring the food, that high quality food, masticating it, digesting it, oh, disinfecting it, and then passing it and getting rid of that waste. It goes right back down to that. So sometimes hormone problems can start just because you're not getting enough fiber. And that carrot salad is so popular because for most people, it's the best and quickest way to get the right amount of fiber to kind of like brush through that colon and clear out those toxins and feed the astrobolome. The astrobolome eats that fiber and those microbes thrive on that. And so it disinfects the colon, it, cl it clears it out. And so it comes right back down to that. You know, so a lot of times I have this estrogen dominance support group on Facebook that everyone's welcome to join. And we talk about this all the time. People say, oh, I've got these hormone issues and they list them. And we always say, okay, have you, what are you eating? How are you digesting it? And are you clearing out the waste from that? And then we get into more stuff like, you know, can you supplement bioidentical progesterone? You know, can we start to work in and get more into the details, the finer details of, of hormone balance, but that's where it begins. So yeah, in intricately intertwined hormone balance and gut health. It's funny because, I mean, the way you just went into detail about that was phenomenal, but I don't think that um, your everyday people who, who, who aren't researching the gut or hormones or the connection would ever think that, you know, something like carrot salad would help balance their hormones or just for men in general. I don't think men think that estrogen is something they need to worry about, but if they're estrogen dominant, that could, that could affect their testosterone, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, men going in to get their, you know, their prostate checked and check their PSA levels and all this stuff. Um, I have seen the carrot salad reduce those levels. I've seen the carrot salad, you know, there, there are men who reach the certain age where, you know, sometimes it's late 40, late thirties, but often it's like mid forties where they just lose, I mean, it's the midlife crisis, right? Where they lose their zest for life. They go out and they buy a Porsche or whatever, that whole like cliche of men getting to that age where they all of a sudden feel like they need to, you know, they need the spark back in their life. Well, this is, this is the thing, you know, the estrogen has gone up, the testosterone has come down, the progesterone is non-existent, their cortisol is through the roof because they're stressed beyond belief. And they're, they feel empty. They feel like, what have I done with my life? You know, I, I have this family and I feel like I'm barely, you know, 
providing or they don't have a family and they can't understand why the, all these things compound in their brains and they think that it's the reality when it's not, you know, it's not the reality. The reality is their outlook on it has changed because their hormonal messages have decreased there. They no longer have that, uh, that, that testosterone fire. And so they think it's just like they hate their lives. And then all of a sudden they get on, you know, low levels, not like performance levels of testosterone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but they get on these low, you know, bioidentical, low maintenance levels of, of, of um, hormones. And they're all, all of a sudden they're just like, they're so, they, they feel great. It's not everybody, but it's really, really common. And so I often just say when, when, and I get, whenever a man comes to me with women, it's different because they have all kinds of issues their whole lives. Women are used to dealing with hormonal issues quite young, right? With men, they come, they almost always have the same hormone labs. Their estrogen is through the roof or it's higher than it should be. They have, uh, their cortisol is through the roof. So that means ongoing low grade stress or, or even high grade stress over time that they're dealing with inflammation also. And their estrogen is, is dominating. And estrogen is, you know, it's potent. And I can't say enough about it. It's also crucial for life. I don't, you know, people a lot of times think I demonize estrogen. I don't. It's like me selling you a tiger. And I'm like, or a lion, right? I mean, listen, this thing is beautiful. It's got all these great qualities, but listen, it can kill you. And so you have to be conscious of how to regulate your estrogen. Everyone does. I think this is information that everybody should know about. So be careful about things that raise estrogen. Xenoestrogens, I mentioned early, in, uh, you know, bottles of plastic, you know, ca uh, tin cans, when uh, canned food that, that have BPA linings and, um, you know, when you, when you keep these bottles of water in your, I usually don't even drink out of these plastic bottles, but I'm not in my own home right now. And uh, you put that in your car and the heat comes in, or you buy five gallon drums of plastic water and you, it's sitting in the sunlight. Or, I mean, gosh, uh, even receipts from when you buy something, that paper, that, that ink and paper is a xenoestrogen. You hold on to that stuff where you work with it. You, you give out receipts. I would wear gloves. If I were you, if I worked with receipts, um, chemicals, the cleaning chemicals, you know, exposing your breathing in, if you're a hairdresser, if you do your own hair, your nails, all these chemicals, they mimic estrogen in the body. They pretend like they're estrogen and they look like estrogen to the body. So they're received like estrogen in the body. So they, you know, naturally as a man ages and a woman ages, their estrogen kind of dominates. Even if you have low levels of estrogen, you can still be estrogen dominant. You can have almost undetectable levels of estrogen, but if you, it's dominating over your testosterone and over your progesterone and all the others, you're going to have signs of estrogen. You can get uh, prostate cancer with really low levels of estrogen. So this is this misconception that we all have about, you know, uh, hormone related cancers is that are estrogens through the roof. It doesn't have to be. So, um, these chemicals are the big thing too. So we, I try to eliminate my exposure to xenoestrogens and you can go onto ewg.org, put in the word xenoestrogen and it'll show you what they are. And you can just go through your cupboard. You know, women that use things every single day or even men like deodorant, 
things you use every day that add to that toxic bucket and start to go, you know what? I don't need this lipstick or this chapstick. I can get something natural. Slowly start to eliminate the biggest offenders. So those xenoestrogen are pretending to be estrogen in the body. And, you know, we don't even know how to test for that stuff properly against your other hormones. We can see it in your urine, but we don't know how to test it against your other levels. So we're in the dark. Science is in the dark about xenoestrogens and how they might be playing into your hormonal health. And um, so that's a big, uh, kind of a daunting thing too. But I just say, just look, take one step at a time and start to eliminate the biggest offenders. What do you do every single day that could be contributing to that? And not just the, the hormones, but the gut health. What are you eating every day that if you changed it, would dramatically change your exposure to whatever it is, gluten, xenoestrogens, estrogen. So yeah, um, did that did that work? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like I went into the weeds again. <laughs> no, no, your explanation was good. Um, and you talked about the carrot salad and you talked about the, the Facebook group um, and a few other things. What... What are some ways that you help the people you work with to heal their guts and to get back into a, you know, a, a regulated state just all together with their body? I mean, I, I'm always, I've always been a back to basics kind of person. You know, I try not to overwhelm people with, you know, a whole bunch of supplements, even though I take a whole bunch of supplements, I try to just bring it back down to the basics and say, um, Again, what are your biggest offenders? So here's the biggest offenders in my opinion, my professional opinion. I think, uh, so the chemical exposure someone has, and that might be zero for some people, you know, like, I don't think my mom is exposed to any, I don't think she has to worry so much, except she drinks out of these. And, um, but some people, you know, like I, I look in their cupboards or we talk about what they eat every day and they eat like Skippy peanut butter every day. And that's, you know, that's a huge offender, especially if you're eating it every day, because peanuts to begin with are high in mold, mycotoxins. They, um, once you crush a nut to make butter or oil, um, it, it begins to oxidize. It's exposed to air. It's, it's all of a sudden it becomes a carcinogen. It can become, you know, inflammatory. The body looks at it and it says, oh yeah, this is some peanut protein I can use, but whoa, there's a whole bunch of oils in here that are oxidized and I can't use them. And it starts to bind them up in fat. It sticks it in the liver. It sticks it in your adipose tissue on your belly. It becomes, you know, it inflames the body. And so I try, you know, I try to say, look, if, if we were before the industrial revolution, before you could eat three, four tablespoons of, of any kind of nut butter a day, you know, before the industrial revolution, we couldn't do those things. You eat what's in season. If you're eating nuts, you're eating a handful of nuts or seeds. You're not eating peanut butter every day of your life. You're not eating kiwis in Missouri in January, right? You're eating what's in season. You're eating simply, you know, you're not having like 10, 20 different types of food in one sitting. Um, nothing's processed. So I go back to the basics, like just pretend you didn't have the conveniences you have now and simplify your eating, you know? Um, so trying to eat locally, 
trying to eat seasonally, uh, avoiding seed oils. People are baffled when I say this. When I say canola oil and safflower oil and sunflower oil, vegetable oils are so bad for you. And this is like news on the scene for a lot of people. Um, they're, they're just not, they're, they're polyunsaturated fat. They cause inflammation in the body. The best kind of fats are um, olive oil, but you know, don't use it to smoking temperature. Um, avocado oil, if you can find it, that's not cut with other oils. So just pure avocado oil. I use tallow and lard, like the old school, uh, ghee, butter to cook with. I know uh, I can't even say this in my own house because my mom's like, what? You know, but it's a, it's a big offender is, you know, they did this study on, on people having heart attacks, people that had heart attacks and heart disease over the course of many years. And they took omnivores, vegans, vegetarians, and the rate of heart attack and heart disease was, was equal amongst them all. And they were trying to figure out the common denominator of why a vegan would still have heart disease. And it was the seed oils. They were all equally using these seed oils. And so this is, this is something that I think is a basic thing to start to eliminate. Also, people feel like they have to cook with oil. You'd actually don't, you know, you can actually saute things like salmon or whatever in a little bit of water. You don't have to always use oil. Um, and then other thing, processed foods. So just, you know, it's a, it's a mixed bag of tricks with processed foods. You don't, a lot of things they don't even have to list in salad dressings and, you know, pre-cooked foods and things, restaurant food. So I, um, the more you can cook at home and if you're not good at it, think of it as medicine. Like, you know, think of it as your survival, adding years onto your life by, getting on YouTube and looking at some real simple dishes, get on Pinterest, watch a chopped show or something. I don't know, get into it a little bit, find some passion for it and do an 80, 20 thing. 80% of your meals are cooked at home simply, you know, and 20%, you know, you go and you have your comfort food or whatever. So like maybe Monday through Friday uh, night, you cook your meals and everyone thinks, okay, breakfast is so hard. It's eggs and it's bacon. Well, what about having soup for breakfast? You know, what about, um, I made my mom, I'm trying to keep her meals really, really simple. And she's used to having the same types of things that are very, you know, very meat and potatoes, very conventional old school diet, um, standard American diet, I should say. And I'm like, you know, we don't need salad dressing. <laughs> like like I, I may, I just roasted some butternut squash, salt and pepper, threw it in her ninja and added some bone broth, a bone broth, tremendous nutrition in bone broth, right? Added some bone broth and a little bit of cream. And we had butternut squash soup for, for dinner. You know, she's eating kind of light right now. And, you know, that's so healthy. Just keep it simple. Um, so keeping it simple, getting rid of the biggest offenders that you have, you know, the polyunsaturated fats, or we call them PUFA, um, and making sure you eat slowly, you care about how you're eating, what you're eating, take your time, uh, chew your food. And I, I, you know, I really love taking digestive enzymes and hydrochloric acid with my food because it, it ensures digestion. It ensures that it's getting broken down and disinfected. Um, so those are probably the, that's where I start. And that carrot salad, man, that has been, not everybody can do it as you know, but, um, it, it is 
a big winner. And maybe you can put that in the show notes, the recipe. It's just carrots shredded. It has to be shredded either with a peeler or in a salad shooter or something. And then like a teaspoon of coconut oil, a little bit of vinegar and some salt and uh, eat it once a day. I I eat it while I'm preparing my food, uh, my, my dinner, and I'll eat it so it's in an empty stomach. So it's going in there unobstructed, just clearing out stuff. You know, it's like a... It's like a Zamboni. <laughs> it just goes in and clears out the, you know, the trash. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I think those are some basics. Uh, as far as what to eat, you know, that's really individual. And and I work with everyone on every level. I work with vegans at people who really prefer to be a vegetarian or vegan. And I work with people who, who are omnivores or who, who are on paleo. And I don't recommend any particular diet generally because everyone is so different. So if someone is thriving on the carnivore diet, great. You know, we work within those parameters because, you know, if someone's on the uh, carnivore diet and they're not thriving, we need to figure out what that's about. So it's so individual what to eat. And I don't really have a general rule of thumb with that. Well, I think you covered a lot. My next question was going to be, what would you say to someone who wants to start their healing journey? And you covered it. Perfect. So that's great. (laughs) Also, I'm going to put the, I'm going to put the carrot salad recipe in the notes for the, for the show, for this episode too. So, um, I think you gave a great starting point to someone who wants to, to start doing better. You gave reasons why people, you know, aren't feeling good. I mean, you covered the entire spectrum and you did it super good. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to be able to share you with everyone. Oh, good. I I also, you know, just want to say like, it's, it can be so overwhelming. We have the luxury and the burden of the internet, right? We have the luxury because we have so much info at our fingertips. And then it's a burden because this doctor says this and this doctor says the opposite. Um, And then you have people like me saying something way out in left field. So don't look at the whole picture. Like, like you have to climb Mount Everest, you know, just take little things at a time, bite off little things at a time and get, work them into your lifestyle, um, little bits at a time. And if you consistently do that, upgrade the quality of your food, get rid of plastic bottles, you consistently do these things over time. You're going to look back and you're going to say, wow, my life is so different now. And now I don't have this, this, and this. And it's an ongoing process because you, I'm, I just started dealing with eczema a year ago. And I'm like, what? It's, it's not, it doesn't end. You know, you just don't all of a sudden become healthy gut girl. And you're like, I have no gut issues. You're, you're just a human and you're going (laughs) to always have something you need to deal with. And so you have to just take your time, little bits at a time and take, take the punches as they come, as they say. And, um, you know, and don't try to, don't get daunted and just say heck with it and go back to just, you know, abusing yourself with food just take little steps and you're going to see what changes can be made over time. Mm, that was great advice. Great advice. So where can people find you online and, and social media? Well, my baby is the, um, my stuff. Your doctor should know podcast. And that's on all platforms, including my website, which is healthygutgirl.com, And then the estrogen dominant support group on Facebook. Um, that's a private group, but just request to be join, just request to join and we'll, we'll have you in there. And, um, I'm going, I'm starting a mighty network for those of you that know what that is. It's kind of like a Facebook platform, but it's super private, uncensored, and I'm going to start 
um, healthy gut girl community there. And that's going to have step-by-step guidance, um, little mini courses that are, you know, helping you with liver detoxification or bowel detoxification, or it's just going to be really fun with all kinds of resources and a, and a community of people that I already have, but I'd like to grow. So everyone's invited to that. And you just stay tuned. You're going to see, um, you know, I'll, I'll invite you to that. Sign up for the newsletter on my website and all that stuff. Well, thank you so much um, for what you're doing, for what you've already done. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for the information that you provided on this episode, because I think it'll help a lot of people. And I, and I think that I'm reaching um, an audience that may not have ever had exposure to people like you. Um, Cause I know I wouldn't have, if it wasn't for the research that I did because I was so sick, you know, so I'm grateful to be able to have access to you and to be able to share you. So um, I really appreciate you doing this with me. I really appreciate having a relationship with you and the things that you do, your knowledge. I mean, you're, you're so smart and you're, you're gifted in what you do. And, and I love being able to talk about you and talk about the things that you do and to be able to, to host you on an episode of my podcast when you, you know, you're like the podcast queen. So <laughs> thank you. That's thank awesome. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are all the newbies are my favorite. I love, love introducing people to all this new stuff. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And you're my good cyber buddy, man. We're like besties. <laughs> so true. True indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you so much. And I can't wait to get this one up and aired so everyone can learn about what you do and and get the help that they need. Awesome. Thanks.